really use my muscle today. Were you shoveling snow? No. But while you were out... Oh, hey, the good news. You want to announce it. I'll let you announce it. Well, you're supposed to act like you don't know what it is. Well, I do know because I came back in in time. (laughs) You, you We just have some very, very exciting news, not just for Michael and me. Just just in, just breaking. Breaking news, as they say. Breaking news on the 23 podcast. Hello, everybody. Which almost broke your back. Hello, everybody. I'm Father Herb, and uh, this is Michael Puppas. This is not a great way, actually, to get breaking news out because we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, and people won't hear it till Thursday. Well, it's still going to be news because they're going to be homebound. (laughs) That's true. So they're... Really, we are overbuilding now, this. Now they're really wondering what happened. So today, I uh, got out of, uh, we had our holy hour in the chapel, and I was sitting by myself eating a delicious bowl of soup in the Connection Center. Oh, this was after the holy hour, not in the no, in, I, not in the chapel. No, did I not connect that? I'm sorry. No, I would not take soup into the chapel. Uh, but I was sitting just, I was reading a book, I was eating soup, uh, I was looking outside at the snow and thanking God for this very nice warm sweater I'm wearing. And long story short, a guy came in and he said he has a crate on his truck. And I know only one thing arrives in crates, at least in the 2018 and 2019. For our church. And that is artwork from Timothy Schmalz. Statues. So uh, we can joyously announce that the remaining five stations of the cross are here on our campus. Well, we are assuming that. We have not opened the crate. <laughs> Actually, that's very true. <laughs> but there, it's just the perfect size. It is. I think it's going to be great. It's either that or the Ark of the Covenant for Indiana Jones. So he <laughs> so he asked, he said, do you guys have a forklift to get this thing off the truck? I said, I got a fork. I don't have a forklift. <laughs> uh, but luckily, uh, our youth minister, Paul, was here. And uh, Amanda, our receptionist husband, Steve, came up. And he's got good muscle. And some of our high school students are here. They're playing games down in the student center today since they have the day off. So we recruited some muscle and we got the crate off the truck and they're here. And it was off by the time I drove in the driveway. And yeah, I, I convenient thought, timing. I, I thought, what are all these people doing? And somebody was taking pictures too. Yeah, well, everything's got to be documented with pictures around here. Yeah. Anyway, it's good to be with all of you here on the 23 podcast. So those will be hung up in the church sometime in the near future. Hopefully by the weekend. It this- doesn't take that long to hang them provided that the the people that hang them are available. Sure. And I told them tomorrow, namely Wednesday, the building will be closed. Yes, we are closing the parish office tomorrow, but that will be inconsequential to you listening on Thursday. Thursday. (laughs) After the fact. So don't call on Wednesday. That's right. Anyway, so the cold weather is the item, but by the weekend it's supposed to be toasty warm. Well, it's supposed to be back to like average temperatures. What's What are like your favorite things to do in this type? I love this weather. I know it's extreme. I like going out if it's not extremely cold. Yeah. Snow doesn't bother me as much as the cold. Sure. But uh, if I have to stay cooped up in the house, I get restless really quickly. Yeah. So I made a list of things to do. I've got a cupboard I w- I've been wanting to clean out for a long time. I think we all have one That's of those. That's going to happen. Yeah. I also uh, bought a sketch pad over Christmas and some sketch pencils. Are you taking up art? I don't know if I would even call it that. I want to do some drawing. Oh, this is exciting. And then the then there's the good old standby that I always do when I'm snowbound. Which is? I bake cookies. Do you really? I bake cookies. So I've I've got From that. scratch or the, the break and bake? Actually I've got both. I've got all kinds. I've yeah. got some uh so I, I made sure I had the elements there. Your house is way more fun than mine. 
Well, I also put a fire in the fireplace. I oh. put on good music. Those, uh, see, the, good, the, good music slash classical. Those are all the things I like to do. And of course, reading. Reading, yes. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I said this last week. I went uh, to the library in Waterville the other day, and I, I couldn't find... I had a library card a long time ago, but it's been a long time since I've used it. So I went and got... I've got a brand new shiny library card. I feel like the world of books is awaiting me to take them in. And, so, the, and the library in in uh, Waterville is part of the Lucas County, yeah. uh, Toledo Lucas County. It's a great little library. It is. It's actually very pleasant. So it's been fun because Audrey is just starting to read. So uh, we'll get pick up a couple of books for her to read. I'll pick up a couple of books for myself. It'll be the Same fun. level of books? <laughs> yes, I'm reading Star Wars level two right now, just like she is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on because we've got a, an exciting uh, Sunday of scripture readings. And sure. they're all three wonderful. Sure. Jeremiah's the first one, uh, just that one line. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. A prophet to the nations, I appointed you. We'll come back to that. Okay. The second reading is a continuation. Now, this is the third week in a row that we're right into the, the heart of the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Last week was the body is many has many parts, but it's one body. Mm-hmm. The week before that, it was about the gifts. Some are Some are prophets, some are teachers. Yeah. Then this one is about love. And not to discount the other two, they're all popular readings that people know well, but this may be one of the most popular readings. I've decided 83% of all the weddings I've had have included this reading. Your statistics are always staggering. They are just so precise, too. (laughs) Uh, Little do couples know, Paul did not write it about a husband and wife or a boyfriend-girlfriend love. Yeah. He, he was writing about a community. The community of Corinth was divided. Mm-hmm. And he said, you have to come together. Like, you're many parts but one body. Yeah. So it follows then to say that love is not boastful and love, or jealous or pompous or inflated. Or, or filled with helium. Or fi- filled with helium. But love bears all things, believe all th- believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. There's a beautiful version of this that sometimes I sing for weddings. It takes this uh, exact text uh, and Ed Boldick. What What's love got to do with it? That's not the text. No, that's That's Tina Turner. That's Tina Turner. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this song is just called Love, and Ed did who, one of my. He's one of my my favorite composers that writes good Catholic music, and uh, he took some different scripture passages, and this is one of them, and took the exact text and set it to music. Whereas many composers will start to paraphrase the text or, you know, incorporate a refrain or, you know, different elements of a song. And Ed just took these exact uh, scriptures and just set music to them. So people are thinking right now, you're going to sing that at Mass this coming Sunday? Ah, I got to look. I think I I thought maybe I would do it as a meditation song. Meditation. It's not really, it's not a super great congregational song because nobody really knows it. Do it it. as a meditation and uh, we'll have a really, really slow communion, slow motion communion. (laughs) So you have plenty of time. We have kind of a long communion song. No, I took it off this, I'm looking at the plan right now. I took it off because we're doing a new communion song this week, which is five minutes and 26 seconds long. Oh, we might have time. Usually communion takes about seven minutes. Okay. Then we come to the gospel, chapter 4 of Luke's gospel. What what did we read from last week? Chapter 4 and chapter 1 of Luke's gospel. Okay, we had four verses of chapter 1, the basic introduction, where he addresses Theophilus and says, now it's my turn to write a gospel. Mm -hmm. Then we jumped up to chapter 4. Yep. 
And it ended with Jesus in the synagogue. After he read from Isaiah chapter 61, he said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and that's now fulfilled in your hearing. And this is cool. I love the way they did this, because we pick up, it's like we hit pause, and then we rewound it like two seconds, and this Sunday we hit play, and it picks right up with Jesus saying that. Previously at your local church. (laughs) At the Universal Church. Uh, yeah, so it begins with Jesus saying, today this scripture... Okay, let us do it then. Well, I was. Oh, you actually were already reading I start. I was reading it. I'm sorry. I- <laughs> Go. I'm- okay, everybody, I'm going to let Michael read. Jesus began speaking in the synagogue, saying, today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke highly of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They also asked, isn't this the son of Joseph? Okay, that's that's where things start to change. You can feel the 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 you know, they're the, all impressed, but they know him. They know him. This was the little boy that was running around their town. You know, the carpenter that worked with Joseph. Okay, go ahead. You're doing so well. I'll let you read more. Well, thank you. He said to them, "Surely you will quote me this proverb: Physician, cure yourself, and say." Do here in your native place the things that we have heard were done in Capernaum. Now remember, as an adult, he lived in Capernaum, but this is back in Nazareth where he grew up. Sure. So they had already heard about what he was doing in Capernaum. And just to clarify, when he says you quote me this proverb, that's from the book of Proverbs? That would have been also in there. What, physician, heal thyself, cure thyself, or yourself? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I think it's from the, it, it was a, Certainly, uh, it certainly was a passage they knew, but I'm not sure if it was literally from the book of Proverbs. What we know is the book of Proverbs. Okay, yeah. I'm going to continue. And then Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was closed for three and a half years, and a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to a widow in Zarephath in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were all filled with fury. They rose up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town had been built, to hurl him down headlong. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went away. Okay, now there were two things to keep in mind about why they rejected him. The first one was that he was the little boy that had grown up in Nazareth, mm-hmm. and you're not accepted in your native place. It's, I remember my mother used to always say when I was being ordained, whatever happens, we hope you don't get assigned back to this parish. Really? She said that? Yeah. And for the most part, People do not go back to their home parish as pastor. We've had some examples, sure. and successful examples, but I know my mom was always worried about that. Yeah. Little did she know what God had in store for you from 2005 to... To 2000, whatever. To open-ended. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing is probably even more powerful. The whole comparison with Elijah and Elisha. Now, Elijah was the great prophet of the Old Testament, Elisha, by the way, they're spelled almost the same. I always pronounce it Elisha so people can hear the difference. Mm -hmm. Instead of a J, it's S-H. But Elisha was his uh, student or his 
a successor. Okay. So they were both great prophets. But it's also recorded how they were involved in foreign countries. It says, there were lots of widows, but Elijah ended up in Sidon, the widow of Zarephath. Now, do you know where Sidon is? I don't, but I see here on the table, you I brought, brought... I brought a map. A handy-dandy map. Actually, on the computer, it was in color. I printed it black and white. Uh, Israel is on the eastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It's not very big country. Just north of it, along the Mediterranean, but just north of it, is the country of Lebanon. And Sidon is in mm-hmm. what's modern-day Lebanon. Okay. And then Elisha, the, the student goes to Syria, and he cleanses a leper, Naaman, the, the Syrian. Mm-hmm. Now, Syria is also north, but northeast. So if you, go, if you wanted to go from Israel to Syria, and by the way, they probably wouldn't want to go there because those two countries don't mix. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to go there, you would go north and then go east, north by northeast. Okay. So they're both... Countries that exist today. Now, I don't think Lebanon was called Lebanon at the time of Jesus. It was part of the Asia Minor area. Okay. And uh, so it was modern-day Syria and modern-day Lebanon. They were foreigners. And although Lebanon is a little more peaceful, Syria is certainly not. But they are not necessarily friends with Israel. And they were not friends with Israel at the time of Jesus either. So it's not, I mean, this has been going on for a while. It's been going on for a while, but it's also like when, when Jesus says, you know, uh, a person can't do anything in their own country, and look at the two great prophets, he holds himself in the line of both Elijah and Elisha. Hmm. And he says, and look at them, and look, they worked in foreign countries. He's basically saying, not just that I'm the hometown boy and you don't accept me, but I'm crossing over borders, and I am saying that the faith has to be bigger than restricted to our own little area. Sure. What a message for today. Yeah. People are scared of foreigners. Sure. I mean, there's no way around it. And they try to justify it every way possible, but this passage is really, really challenging for us. Sure. This is, you, I think we water it down a little bit too much and just say, oh, yeah, they didn't like him. They got upset because... He was saying more than they could handle, mm-hmm. but it's way bigger than that. Well, I, you know, it, even with the second reading, the whole idea of Paul telling us how, how we should love one another is a great description of, of how we are to treat one another, whether it's somebody that looks like us or sounds like us or someone that doesn't look or sound like us. But as children of God, we are all called to love one another. And even, you know, tying back to that first line, In Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you, a prophet to the nations. I appointed you. The the line that you just read, a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah was also a prophet to the nations and not just in Israel. He was also a bullfrog, but that's... That's a different song. (laughs) That came came later. Not Tina Turner. Um, But what I was going to say was that God doesn't play favorites. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, that we, we begin to cast out people that are different from us, but God loves each and every person the same. He knew each and every single one of us the same way uh, before uh, we were formed in the womb. 
you know? And so we have to look with those eyes at everybody that we encounter, even when it's difficult. And furthermore, we have to speak with a prophetic voice. If I may go back to last week when I preached on being anointed, mm-hmm. and I talked about baptism, we're anointed, priest, prophet, and king, mm-hmm. priest being the one who is to be present in the holy, prophet who speaks what is right, mm-hmm. regardless of well, whether people like him or not, or her or not, and then king is to be a leader. So this passage is more about the second one, priest, prophet, king. This is about prophet that Jesus says, I am in the line of the great prophets and I will speak boldly even if you, you know, you, it's, I, I'm thinking of like, you know, you can't handle the truth. You know, <laughs> I'm going to tell the truth. You can't handle the truth. That's, that's probably a rather wise statement. Some people just can't handle the truth because of what? Because of their own close-mindedness, sure. their bigotry. And insecurity, insecurity, fear. Fear is a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Ne- by the by, the way, I've I've learned, never call somebody a bigot or a racist. That's good. <laughs> e- even if they are, you would never call them that. That's it's probably not a very nice thing to call anybody anyway. Right, but I I've, I never actually have done that. But somebody says, so this was at a previous parish. Somebody said to a friend, I think Father Herb thinks that I'm a racist. And the person he said it to said, I don't know what Father Herb thinks, but you are. <laughs> that was his friend who said that. You know, talking about being a prophet, I, I think, you know, when I, when I think of a prophet, I think of um, celebrity, you know, somebody that is out amongst large crowds of people. But I, I think the prophet that we are called to be, there's a lot of humility involved. So can we talk about that for a second? How do you blend being a prophet while maintaining humility and doing it. Because it's not about you. There's no joy in being a prophet. Mm -hmm. You are called. Jeremiah says, before I was even formed in the womb, you called me. A prophet is a a prophet because God has called that person to be a prophet. Mm -hmm. Most prophets end up badly. You know, they're they're disdained and often killed. Mm Mm-hmm. But a prophet has to speak the truth. Now, there's false prophets, and there's people who are false prophets by choice because they, they just want to promote themselves. Sure. But there's also false prophets who are delusional. So it's incredibly important that a prophet be tested and that the pr- prophet has to test himself or herself. They have to really examine, am I... Is the message that I'm compelled to say, is it really from God or is it from uh, some other part of my deep resource, uh, sources of my center of my life that's not healthy? So they, their life has to be in sync with God. We talked about that once before. You know, how do we know is, some, is God move? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it God moving in our life that's provoking us or is it our own desires, our own wants? And I remember, I remember you eloquently said that you have to look at what the outcome will be. If it promotes love and peace and justice, um, then it probably is of God. But if it's promoting your own agenda and uh, segregation and... Oh, yeah. And, you know, even if we don't think that we are called to be prophets, we all have to speak with a prophetic voice at times. Sure. And I can see that happening at almost every level, you know, where somebody somebody simply says, I'm not going to go along 
with what the 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 gang is saying mm -hmm. or I'm whether it's in school or the soccer moms or whatever group you know sometimes you just have to say no I don't find that acceptable I'm at a point now in my faith where I, I think previously I would have been okay with you know the whole I don't want to use relativism as a an example but you know the whole you do you I'll do me kind of a deal and I, I don't want to intrude on you know your way of life or your beliefs but I've come to this realization that if I really do believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and I believe that because he said it, then I need to tell that to everybody I possibly can. And But and, you also, at the same time, have to be careful. I, I think a prophet has to say the truth. But I think the prophet also has to know what will be received. Mm. You know, you sometimes peop, you know, people just push something that the other one cannot accept, at least not accept at that point in their life. Sure. So maybe there is a kind of has to be a, a preliminary message before the heavy duty message. Oh, it's, it's not a, it's not a fire and brimstone message. It's a, Hey, you want to go to, you want to come to church this weekend? My family's going, do you want to join us? Or, Hey, uh, there's some people from our church getting together this weekend. Do you want to come over and, and join us for dinner? You know, starting that simply, and then a lot. I, I would say there's a step before that, though, and maybe you're you're assuming there is. Is it cooking dinner? No, no, oh. <laughs> it's not about dinner. It's like we have to find out what the other what's going on in the other person's life first. Sure. Always be a listener before a speaker. Mm. You know, what is what's moving them? What's uh, what's bothering them? What's their worry? Yeah. So, uh, and then of course, all of this comes back to that second reading: love is patient. I love, found, it, love is kind. I found a great quote from G.K. Chesterton that I shared on our social media today. Uh, and it has to do with love. And it says, love means to love that which is unlovable or it is no virtue at all. So we love those that are lovable and we love those that are unlovable. And that is of God. Amen. Have a great week. Stay well. Stay warm. <laughs>